This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass from Matt Ryan today. He's looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones has it. And in the end zone, touchdown, Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, joined by my co-host, Nick Stevens, our producer Kevin Collins, behind the glass. A very busy week. Sorry, we're coming to you a little later this week. Had some scheduling difficulties. Nick had to be a parade goer. and Had uh, to be a parade goer. We did not have the studio on Tuesday because the Patriots played Monday night in Buffalo. So we're coming to you on Thursday this time, November 1st. We made it to November. And, um, Nick, I have to ask, first of all, did you uh, climb the gas station? No, did you throw beer at anybody? Did I throw beer? Did you? I saw a lot of beer thrown. I saw. I hope you, I saw I hope you weren't of, one of the beer-throwing yahoos. I had a microphone in my hand. I couldn't be throwing beer yesterday. Somebody hit Cora, for God's sake. And Cora's daughter, yeah. Camilla. I watched uh, Steve Pierce catch one. I watched people knock a couple away. Mookie Betts Mo- trying to dodge Mookie him. was like a hockey goalie. Well, he, yeah, well, and people around him, he was like trying to be Neo in the Matrix doing bullet time, dodging beers. Not I mean, it, well, a good it, this look This is the thing that Boston. started. Well, this really... I hate right. to say it, but this is uh, one of the side effects of success. Maybe I just drink to get drunk. And it's also a little bit of the Gronk effect because yeah. it was cool to throw them up to yeah. the Pats and Gronk would grab, grab them and crush them right, right. and finish it off later at Foxwoods. And listen, Sox weren't, Sox, there's three quarters of a million dollars of champagne and celebratory drinks they've had in the last week. So yeah. they've run a hell of a tab. I but can understand I, but people there were no projectile missiles launched at anybody. But the, no, but the Bud Light thing, that's yeah. become like they, sh- they throw fireball yeah. shots and Bud Lights. Don, the hashtag for the Red Sox winning the World Series was do, damage done. Yes. It was, it was do damage leading up to it. Now yes. it's damage done. Yes. Same name of the Sam Adams double IPA I consumed this week <laughs> as well. And I tell you what, it tasted damn good. The trophy was dented. The hashtag yeah. is damage done. Irony was in no. attendance at the parade yeah, yesterday. I, and a young lady got I actually heard. I actually heard him. He was drinking on the air this week of his, of his oh, day yeah. job. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I've gotten the spirit. It's like things. I need to switch organization. I need to go work for WAAF. Oh yeah, he's man. just consuming Sam Adams. And we all sound like we got a little. It was really well, good. Well, yeah, I've got my cough back, but I, I we got celebration voice I, in here. I blame the socks. You partly. put the beer right up to the mic, and he, you could hear the. And I'm driving home, and I'm like, Fitzy's drinking on the air. Yeah, yeah, buddy. He didn't know there was an option. Um, busy, busy week. Obviously, we want to dive into a little bit. First of all, kudos to you guys going socks in five. Gentleman uh, sweep. Didn't look that way 3.30 in the morning Saturday. Technically, it was socks in five, but it was really socks in six because they played two Friday night. It's exactly right. So I, I actually nailed it. Seat offer insight. I actually nailed it. I had four games in Los Angeles being played. Uh, How about this? I, I, I figured this out. I, this is the way my mind works. If you were the number one seed and you, um, you, know, you go to all three rounds, the bare minimum home games you can have – is six. That's what the Sox had. The right. most road games you can have is eight. That's what the Sox had. So not only did they lose a lot of ticket revenue. They and went I'm 11 not, and three. Right. I'm just saying they had the bare minimum 
ro- uh, home games and the, and the maximum road games. And that's kind of how it felt. It felt like they weren't home much during the postseason. And they went 7-1 on the road and 4-2 and two at home. So, hip, hip. Hooray. It was, it was, a, uh, it was a weird weekend. I stayed up. Um, mm-hmm. Let's all confess. I made it to 3.30. I believe Mr. Collins made it to 3.30 because we were texting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, you made it to 230? 220? 220 ish? 220, 221, whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Michael Keaton. Uh, my favorite line. Hey, one of my favorite lines of all time. It's like Mom. Old Man River. He Mr. always Mom. falls asleep in the recliner. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a dad. To, and then he springs the, to life when something happens. He's a dad. The five and the one year old thing. Plus, I was on solo dad duty the next day, so that wow. was in the back of my mind. I was wrecked on Saturday, by the way. Oh, I, I, was, I, was, a, I was a big. Bigfoot print all week. And I, was, I had a knot in my stomach because I thought maybe the steer- series turned on that Kinsler error. So, but the, here's one of the things I want to point out. Three things. Number one, Alex Cora yesterday, we put we put up 16 in Yankee Stadium, suck on it, top 10 quote. That's my manager. Number two, if I was going to do an MVP rundown from the World Series, I think it would probably have gone Steve Pierce, David Price, Nathan Evaldi, and then probably Dave Roberts and uh, who's the who's the pit, the relief pitcher? Uh, Ryan Madsen. Yeah, Ryan. Madsen. I said those would have been my top. I would have had Madsen ahead of Roberts, I, but, maybe, I, but I get your point. But no, he Roberts had to put in had, Madsen had to put and him had in. to make the changes and also take out Rich Hill, even though Rich Hill said he was tired. But I maybe tried to get one or two more outs with Rich Hill. And number three, here's the thing that I ultimately grew to love about this Red Sox team the most: they responded most, and they were at their best when they got punched in the mouth. Yeah, every time and every series. Gut punch loss to the Yankees. Uh-oh, going back 1-1 Yankee Stadium? Nah, 16-burger. Uh-oh, Houston showed them up. Game one beat Chris Sale. And they looked uh, bad. They, they looked, looked bad, bad in the process. Scrape by, Jackie Bradley answers the call, then they sweep him down there. Number three, Nathan Avaldi comes in and pitches a quality start in Her- relief. Heroic. Six innings, 97 pitches, still throwing 97-98 in the 17th inning. That guy's awesome. The beauty of this is that we can now look back on that game, and it is now... It's not a painful, bitter memory. It's now part of the whole tapestry of winning because that game turned into something legendary, especially after – I don't know how much you've read. I've read a lot of the the after-winning type of uh, narratives. Tom Verducci has an amazing piece on SI.com about the Red Sox. Alex Spire of the Globe had an amazing piece on how the team came together and bonded early on. But I love the fact that you know Cora made sure they didn't go home Right away after that game, they had a team meeting, and he made Evaldi stand up, and they gave him a standing ovation. I mean, that kind of thing, it does kind of peel the onion and tell you why this team was extremely close. And then, and and then you have tight. a closer who can't get anybody out. And in Game 5, when you're trying to close out the World Series, you've got Chris Sale and, again, Nathan Evaldi standing up, warming up in the pen. And a, an ovation for Sale. As on yeah, fumes. Unbe- oh, unbelievable. And the, the, the fact that they clapped out Sale as he made his way out of the bullpen, and you knew he was coming in and he was going to throw his shoulder off if he had to. Uh, can we all just agree that there is no greater lasting image, that the final image of this World Series would be Machado striking out, falling on his ass on the filthiest slider from sale possible? I also would like to share that yesterday in attendance at the parade, my favorite sign that anyone put up, there were some great signs yesterday. My favorite was, uh, there's a lot of college game day love. Machado puts ketchup on steak. <laughs> that, was, that was my favorite. Oh, we got well, it. Is, right we have a great show for you today. We're going to do something a little different. We don't usually dive into just the Patriots game, but we're going to kind of take a deep dive because it is Packers, Patriots, Rodgers, Brady for only the second time ever. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> so we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have two guests today. We're gonna have Rob Demosky, uh, ESPN Packers beat writer, fine writer, a good friend of mine, and then Tom Silverstein, longtime Packers beat writer with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Um, both of them are gonna be on, and in, in, uh, we're gonna have Rob in about ten minutes, and then we're gonna have uh, Tom a little later in the podcast. But so much to talk about. We uh, we could spend the whole day talking about our uh, World Series champion Sox, but. You know the NFL trade deadline. It wasn't massive like some people predicted, but it was, it was fairly busy. I it was it was busier. I appreciate the fact that the NFL has moved it back a little. I bit. still think it needs to go back. Uh, I want week ten. Week I, 10 I think or 11. week ten. Yeah. Now it's after week eight. I think it once was week six. Now yep. it, now, now it needs to eight. go ten. A skosh and a tad every year. So Major League Baseball's is July thirty first, and then you can still make waiver moves through the so, end of August. Right. So that means it's two thirds of the way through the season. So the equivalent for NFL would be we after week 11, maybe week 12. So I think we could move it back two more weeks to really make it juicy, especially since we all know you don't know what kind of team you're playing with till right around Thanksgiving. I thought the most curious move was Detroit, a game out of first place, albeit at three and four, in a tightly bunched NFC North, moving Golden Tate, their leading receiver the last four years. I understand he's going to be a free agent. The guy, though, and, and by the way, Nick, could you sit up, please? Your posture is oh, lousy. Lousy. Oh, God. Lousy. Did anyone else Have some respect for the a, process. A bigger, We're doing a podcast. I, I, dare I say, a, a bigger jackass. Yeah. A bigger asshat. I'm sorry. Than, than Matt Patricia, who made a cottage industry of himself looking, looking like, like a, a homeless man. Like a total slob. With a pencil sticking out of, you know, right. his ear. So... Yeah, I, look, is he feeling the pressure That's or called something? projecting. That's what that is. That's a distra- that he's using that as a complete distraction. Distraction, like, like look yeah, over here. Yeah, bright, shiny here. object over here. I'm just gonna, and, and I heard people saying, oh, well, this is him continuing to try to be Belichickian in his ways. Uh-uh. Belichick doesn't dress down. Now, he, now listen, he can be, I will say, curmudgeonly. No, be he words. can be curt. Yes. I don't think he's ever told anybody to sit up. Right. <laughs> and then maybe gone sh- on to deliver a two-and-a-half-minute answer. Yeah. I think he bought himself time to think of what he wanted to say about the Golden Tate deal. Um, because, let's face it, he tap-danced through his answer. There's no good way to answer that. You gave away your one of your top playmakers. Right. I, look, a third-round pick is is good deal. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that they got taken. It's just a curious move to send to your locker room and to your fan base. If I'm a Lions fan or a Lions player, I'm going, what the hell? But if I'm... If I'm the Lions front office, maybe I'm saying, you know what, we're probably not coming out of this four-team jumble. Right. So let's get a third before we get nothing. Well, I like the third is third is solid equity. Yes. And they and they definitely have the offense is trending up for them. I think even though they only put up 14 last week in a game that I, I think everyone thought coming out of the bye they were going to win at yeah. home against Seattle. I picked them. So that was a thanks. Yeah, we all did. Thanks, thanks. Lions. Yeah, appreciate you, appreciate you. I like the third. That can build, help rebuild the defense. They've got guys they can slot in. So all he's got to do is just say, hey, it's a process. You know, don't respect the process. Sit up and, yeah. you know, show me some, you know, show me some respect asking the question. They got guys that can fill in. Theo Riddick, for all we know, could go ahead and play the Golden Tate role the rest of the season. And carry on Johnson has been a very pleasant surprise at running back for them. Just say, hey, I got some work to do on defense. I need the equity. We probably weren't going to be able to resign him. We wish him the best. Next question. Yeah, I agree. I think it was uh, 
I mean, it was a defensible move on one front, and then it was a curious move on another front if you're trying to win this year. I, I don't think they have anybody who can do what Golden Tate did. He was, he's one of the best in the league at the yards after catch. He, he, I felt like he was Stafford's security blanket on big downs. He had over 25% of the target share, so yeah. he was definitely he's on a track, go-to. On track for another Security thousand. blanket, in other words. Yeah, I said that. Thanks, Tony. Um, and then Demarius Thomas moved, not a big, huge deal, but Houston certainly lost Will Fuller uh, with an ACL on Sunday. They have won five in a row. They're, they're feeling it. They're smelling a division title. They go out and get Demarius Thomas. The weird part of this, of course, is that they play at Denver this week. So Demarius Thomas had to go all the way to Houston, get ready, and then goes right back to the stadium that just had a huge uh, banner picture of him on its wall the other day. Yeah. I don't think they'll leave that up for game day. Ah, uh, and then he gets to go back and play there this week. How quirky is that? Yeah. I wonder how, if that's ever how happened. How often quite. is that? In the NFL, I know it's happened in baseball. Didn't somebody get traded in the middle of a doubleheader once? And oh, to, yeah. That's happened in baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the NFL, like getting traded from someplace that you're considered a, a fan <clears throat> and franchise favorite. And now you come back and play them the next that week. week. It's great for him because they weren't even the only playoffs they were going to sniff in Denver is a sports bar located right outside the Marriott in the airport. Yeah. But otherwise, now he's going to get a chance to actually go for it. Not that was Houston, called champions, but I, I digress. <laughs> Houston is the surprise leader right now in the barge fire that is the AFC South. Look at us thinking that that was going to be the elite division I actually picked, of the AFC. I actually picked Houston to win that division. I picked the Jags, and I picked Houston to be a playoff team. Hmm. So I may at least still get that. Yes. but I Partial think, credit. I think, finally, Deshaun is feeling a little... Yeah, it looks healthy. Yeah. Or healthier-ish. Mm-hmm. He's moving well. Yes, he is. And then uh, we'll jump into the Packers' moves. Obviously, they traded... Uh, haha Clinton Dix to the Washington Redskins and they moved <laughs> on from Ty Montgomery who saw that coming um, gave him away for a bag of balls to the Baltimore Ravens we'll talk about those moves with our Packer experts uh, that are going to be on the podcast very shortly but how did you like Fowler Dexter Fowler wow Dexter Fowler Dante Fowler Dante Fowler, Fowler Dexter Fowler is a baseball outfielder I'm surprised Jacksonville whose defense to the has taken a step back Dealing away Dante Fowler, who I guess has been – I guess pass rush isn't their biggest problem. He's been a little bit of a disappointment. Cause at Ngakwe, number three overall in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the draft, okay, he's been right. a big he's been disappointment. More than, a, more than a little. Yeah. But maybe he goes out there, and they have a huge interior pass rush, right. obviously, already in Los Angeles. And he gives them – they traded away Brooks in the offseason. Maybe this gives them a little more teeth to the outside pass rush. And apparently the Rams really don't want to lose a game. I mean, you can't go more all-in than they did – giving away decent draft equity for a kid they may have, what, for a season and a half? Yeah, Le- Les Snead said that they expect they're going to get c- compensatory picks for, like, Sammy Watkins, mm-hmm. um, uh, Janoris Jenkins. So they think they're going to have some thirds, so they felt comfortable. They could deal one? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, maybe they just ask him, do nothing but pin your ears back and go after the passer from the edge. That's what you did best in at Florida in college. Um, and that's what they need. That's the one kind of missing piece uh, ingredient that they don't have in that defense is, is right. enough edge rush. Well, they'll find out real soon if they get it, and they're going to need it this weekend, too, because as we'll hit on at the tail end of the podcast, too, with the Week 9 preview, 
Uh, we got some great games. It's not just Packers at Patriots no, that has high watchability this week. As much as we're fixated on that game, and understandably so, it's not even the game of the week. The game of the week is in New Orleans. The secondary is the biggest issue with the Rams. I mean, Tlaib getting hurt early and going out with surgery has kind of exposed the rest of the secondary. Safety play is, hasn't been great. and we, I, We'll get into this with Rob in a moment. Packers should have been able to win that game. Packers were going to win that game until yeah, somebody all freelanced. As as someone, uh, Larry McCarron, the longtime radio color analyst for the Packers and former 12-year Packers center, said to me, all you could have asked for, and Green Bay would have signed up for it in a heartbeat, is to have the ball two minutes to go down to Aaron Rodgers in charge on the road, and they didn't get that chance. Um, you know that, that felt like easy pickings compared to some of the things – number 12 has done before in terms of comebacks go 40 yards in good in a good climate good kicking conditions crosby's got his mojo back and someone freelanced and then uh somebody somebody got shipped out and that's it that just will not be discussed in this locker room anymore we've moved on we are on to new england and we are moving on from time montgomery well when a player takes that kind of fire and obviously there was a um a story by mike silver my former colleague at si on NFL.com that basically in the postgame, a lot of players took aim at Montgomery, some in, intimating that he had thrown a fit um, on the sideline previously, in the series previously when he was taken out, and that basically his, his decision, ill-fated and foolhardy as it was to bring the ball out, was his way of saying, I'll show you and make a play, and then he cost him the game. Uh, can't wait to get into that a little bit with Rob Domofsky, who's, um, I believe, going to be dialed up here any second. Uh, uh, were you the surprised? Packers beat writer with ESPN.com. Yes, uh, Rob, uh, I'm looking forward to <laughs> finding out a lot from Rob. Were you surprised, though, one of the teams that everybody was pointing to uh, plays games in the stadium we're broadcasting from right now? Patriots didn't make a move. I wasn't too shocked at that. Um, I feel like there were, there were some things that they were certainly – kicking tires on right um but it felt like the market it felt like people were really holding out for a lot of compensation like the amari cooper's deal to dallas for a one mm. kind of skewered the market sure all right we're joined now by rob domofsky the espn.com packers beat writer a longtime packers beat writer and a good friend good morning rob welcome to the cover two podcast with banks and stevens how are you guys we're good we're good we're uh Nick was at the duck boat parade. I, I avoid those things like um, religion because basically <laughs> people are the worst, and there were a lot of people there yesterday. So I, I um, but um, my partner here, Nick, was there. Let's jump in. You know, Rob, rightly so. We're all fixated on the Sunday night Packers Patriots game to come in part because yeah. of, of the rarity and the significance of Rodgers versus Brady for only the second time in their illustrious Hall of Fame bound careers. But not to be lost in all this is it is a huge game for Green Bay um, at three three and one. First of all, the Packers have not been under five hundred. They flirted all year. They've not been under five hundred yet, so that adds urgency. Secondly, as you well know, they're in this hellish stretch. Four out of five on the road. Some very tough assignments. Not to mention coast to coast. These two weeks, Rams, Patriots, still a trip, a short week trip to Seattle looming. A trip to Minnesota, where you've already you've already tied the Packers tied the Packers in week uh, what was that week two or three? And week so, two, yep. Yeah, week two. So I mean, this isn't just a uh, wow. This is let's just sit back and enjoy you know the spectacle of these two 
you know, cornerstone franchises on Sunday Night Football. This is really important for Green Bay. Can you give us a, a set the scene a little and give us a sense of, yeah. uh, of, of where the Packers are at right now? Well, I think that's why last Sunday's loss to the Rams, 29-27, when Rodgers didn't get a chance at a game-winning drive because of the fumble, stung so much because it was the start of this incredible stretch of four out of five on the road, like you said, going from one coast to the other. And they had played, you know, they played their best football game and still walked out of the Coliseum with a loss. So I, I just think that's why, you know, sort of this week has been, you know, it, it's, it is, it's, it's more than just Brady Rogers, although that is certainly what we've all, you know, fixated on. It's a, I wrote about it this morning on ESPN.com where, you know, it's it's incredible how Rodgers has never really had a quarterback rival in his career. The the guy he's played the most is Jay Cutler, and he's beat him eleven out of thirteen times. Which <laughs> no rivalry, not much of a rival. Yeah, not much of a rivalry. Whereas Brady has had Manning, he has Roethlisberger. I mean, he he's had some some guys that you would consider you know elite quarterback rivals, and Rodgers never has. But putting that aside, it's a it's a huge game just because of of where the Packers stand and and sort of the pressure that is mounting here. Um, it was an off season of change with General Manager Ted Thompson being pushed aside. Mike McCarthy changed both coordinators. He brought Joe Philbin back as offensive coordinator. He moved on from Dom Capers. Finally, and brought Mike Pettin in. And you know, if if all those changes don't work, what's the last? thing to change well it's probably the head coach so there's a, a tremendous amount of pressure on you know a pretty darn successful head coach yeah um who is still eight years away from his last super Bowl. yeah i'm, I'm glad you segued into that topic because i did want to go there i mean i i was writing something for the athletic about the packers uh, yesterday and i said you know, if Mike McCarthy embattled isn't right, but endangered is. I think yeah. endangered is fair, and here's why. It has been almost eight years, an eight-year layer of dust since the last Lombardi. The, um, the near miss at Seattle in the 2014 NFC title game, which ironically would have given us Rodgers-Brady the rematch yeah, that season, um, you know, still is this, this the most galling loss, I think, of the McCarthy uh, tenure. It's fair when a coach has been there for 13 years, change sometimes can feel inevitable and that shelf life can get you. It's gotten some of the best coaches. So I don't I don't say McCarthy's, you know, a bum like a lot of, you know, right. social media. I think he's been very successful, but the fact is this year feels yeah. like change is coming if they don't you know, make not only make the playoffs, but I believe make some noise. Is, yeah. is that your sense it, at this point? It, and it I know is. it's too early to really know where this year's headed. Yeah, it really is, and, and it, I mean, it is important to wait till you know they they finish this thing out because what two years ago they were four and six uh, after a loss at um, I believe it was Philadelphia at a, at a night game, or maybe it was Washington. And, and Rogers said, I think we can run the table, and, and they did all the way to the NFC Championship game and, and then lost to the Falcons, and, you know, everything felt great again. But um, this does – I talk, there was uh, one scout in the league who, who has uh, viewed this thing from afar said to me recently that the feeling from uh, outside is that this year is different. It has a different feel than if they don't turn this thing around. And, look, the, the, the McCarthy contract situation is – is part of that. He's only got one year left on his deal. 
they changed the power structure where when they hired Brian Gutekunst as general manager, he has authority over the roster, but not over the head coach. That rests with team president Mike McCarthy. It's something that has not, except team president Mark Murphy, excuse me. Um, and that's something that hasn't been done since way before the Ron Wolf era. It's just a different structure. So you sort of want, everyone sort of wonders why and, and what that means for the coach. Look, if the Mike McCarthy era would happen to end after this season, I, I don't think you can view it as, as anything other than a highly successful era. Um, he, he, you know, it's not easy to coach elite quarterbacks. And, and people think that, you know, you have this great quarterback and, and you just throw the, the roll the ball out there and let him go. I was talking to Mike Holmgren about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. And those guys are hard to coach. And he coached Montana. He coached Young. He coached Favre. Um, he coached Hasselbeck. It, it, it's not. He said it is not. These are strong-willed individuals who are not hard to coach. And Rogers are not easy to coach. And Rogers might be the strongest-willed of any of them, Don. And that's that's um, you know it's a credit to McCarthy, but it's also maybe an indictment on him that they haven't been back to a Super Bowl since the 2010. Yeah, I always use the analogy, they're the Atlanta Braves of the NFL. And I, Again, you can't look at the Atlanta Braves, what they did, and say, oh, that was a failure. You just know that they left meat on the bone. Yeah, no question. We're talking with Rob Domovsky, ESPN.com Packers beat writer here on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Rob, uh, yesterday, I, I you know just to sort of put a bow on that and move on, I even heard Stephen A. Smith going off on first take. Uh, he like yeah. he just said he did one of those, shocking. I, I, shocking. I know, it was crazy. I know. Uh, uh, I know. Change, two, two changing guys, his style. It was it was weird, and uh, he got a puffed up chest and everything. He's like, give me that camera. I want to look right in that camera. If I'm Never Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> I'm demanding a trade at the end of this season. Do you think it would ever yeah. get? Would he ever speak out and just say I'm done, or would he ever? Would he ever Le'Veon Bell it? I mean, listen, he's sparing miles on his tires yeah. and looking for a big deal. But right. would it ever get that acrimonious publicly? Well, you know, I thought it was sort of possibly maybe headed that way this spring, this off season when you know they they fired his uh, his quarterbacks coach Alex Van Pelt. He sort of you know, took some thinly veiled shots there where he said, no one consulted me on this. Why I was, Why wasn't I consulted? And then they cut his best uh, favorite receiver, Jordy Nelson, and you sort of wondered. And, and, and you know, the deal, the, the contract extension hadn't gotten done, and, he, and there were some rumblings about, well, he, he this is making some pretty, uh, you know, unique demands in the deal, and maybe it's not going to get done. And then when the contract got done, uh, what was that, in late August, you know, you, you sort of felt like, okay, all that is is in the past. And, and then we have the game against Buffalo where they go out and they win 22 nothing. They get their shutout. You know, the, the narrative should have and, and would have been about, you know, this is a, a turning point for a defense that had really struggled for the last couple of years. And instead Rodgers got up there and ripped the offense and, they, you know, questioned the, the play calling and the, play, the, the game planning. And it really sort of turned the, the focus back on the, the, the McCarthy Rogers dynamic, and um, so so you just sort of you sort of wonder if it could. But I think the contract extension um, sort of still solves all that. It's just going to be. And look, you know what? I mean, there, there's there's tension between a coach and a, and a quarterback. It happens all the time. But the thing I would caution you know Rogers about is. You know, grass isn't always greener, and you know he probably watches Sean McVay's offense and sees something. Boy, that'd be really fun to play with a guy like that. Maybe watches how Andy Reid has evolved in, in, in the offense in Kansas City, and that might be really fun. 
But you know what? Uh, he's in a comfort zone with a coach in terms of he likes the meeting schedule, he likes the way they practice, he likes the training staff. You get one of these guys that comes in and, and, and is a dynamic personality and has this dynamic offense, but maybe Rodgers will hate the way they, they meet or hate the way they travel or hate the way they practice or blow out the training staff and, and, and all this. So it's, a, it's sort of one of those, maybe you better be careful what you wish for. Can you talk to us a little bit about the HaHa Clinton-Dix trade? Obviously, Washington yeah. is trying to improve their defense with the surprise lead that they've garnered in the NFC East, and they're building the Alabama 2015 to 2018 <laughs> de- defense. Uh, really, I mean, they're, they're trying to go, well, they wear crimson, so they're trying to do like a roll tide DC style. <laughs> but how is this going to yeah, work out? I mean, this is this is this addition by subtraction or the is it going to be the corners are now going to play a little safety as well i get it jair alexander has been a revelation in the secondary yeah. but uh yeah. you know he was the third haha clinton dix was the third ranked safety in the nfl and now and now you don't have him anymore yeah, for a fourth round pick the national per- perception of a perspective on it is is that boy they traded away a pro bowl player a former first round pick um, but I, I think inside and, and, and closer to the team, it's uh, this was a really highly inconsistent player who's put up um, you know some good numbers, but for every interception and sack and fumble he's forced, you know there's two or three plays where he should have and could have made a play and did not. Uh, he didn't always look like a willing tackler. Uh, he didn't always appear like maybe he was giving you know maximum effort at times. Uh, and and he had, he was a guy in the locker room who a month and a half ago uh, said, I don't think I'm going to be here next year. I'm preparing to play elsewhere. And I don't know how well that sat uh, you know, with the front office. So all those things combined, they had an opportunity to move him, and they did. Um, you know, Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, said yesterday, removing a piece doesn't always weaken the whole. Um, I think that's more that was more of a, a, a message to – you know, what he thought of the situation. Look, he's a good player. Uh, I, I think he'll probably do well in, in Washington. Um, but it was maybe a, a thing where, it, you know, just sort of had, it, it had, you know, worn out his welcome or, or however you want to say it here. Uh, but, yeah, they are left with a hole there. They do. They are incredibly deep at corner, which is, inc- which is amazing because a year ago, <laughs> right. I said that corner was their biggest need. Right. Uh, Tremont Williams, um, the veteran that they re-signed, has played well. He moved inside to the slot cornerback to get Alexander on the field more last week, and it worked very well. I could see Tremont playing more safety. Um, they have a second-round pick from 2017 named Josh Jones, who uh, has played four defensive snaps this season for a variety of reasons. One, injury-related. Two, uh, maybe has not always been as assigned mature as he needed to be, but he's going to get an opportunity. And then there's a, a, a former Redskin, Bashad Breland, who uh, cornerback who they signed uh, in midseason, who was a high signing in, in if you remember, in free agency and then had a famous physical because of a foot injury that he basically tried to hide. Right. Uh, and he was an $8 million a year defensive back that, that they got for the minimum, and he hasn't played yet, and he's a guy who you could see playing some at safety as well. So they do have some options. It's not the greatest week to, uh, to experiment with that, obviously with Tom Brady. Although I remember a game in 2004 at New England when the Packers had lost like three corners uh, to injuries the week leading up to a game uh, in New England. I think it was 04. And, and they signed like two guys off the street. And, and they ended up winning the game. Uh, and one of them had an interception of Brady. 
Uh, I'm not saying that's going to be a repeat, but you know they have been down this road before going to New England. Rob, last thing, we'll let you go. You know, um, for those who might have forgotten, Brady Rogers won was Thanksgiving weekend, 2014 at Lambeau. Yeah. Packers, it was a great game, it was 14-0 Packers, then 16-14, 23-14, all the way to 26-21. Yeah. But what was really memorable was the post-game scene, because if you remember, there was kind of a love fest between Brady and Rodgers, and then McCarthy yeah. and Belichick shared this much longer-than-usual handshake mm-hmm. that turned into a, a, a hug, that turned into a quick conversation. I mean, compared to you know Belichick's typical AFC East coach <laughs> who gets barely a dead fish, um, it, was, yeah. it was something, and both teams kind of stood back and, and really appreciated the moment. Yeah. Now, I don't know if we're in for another one of those or not, but this week already, you know, you've got Brady saying Rodgers inspires me, and you've got Rodgers saying the greatest of all time arguments settled by five titles. Yeah. Both teams seem to really kind of relish the opportunity to play each other, and, yeah. and, and it's like quality respects quality. Well, and you know what, Don, the great thing is, especially from McCarthy and even from Belichick a little bit, we had him on a conference call on Tuesday, we didn't get just, the, oh, it's another game. They, 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 they've embraced it. It wasn't that the coach speak spiel. Look, uh, Belichick has tremendous respect for McCarthy and has always spoken very highly of him. And I, I remember at the owners' meetings one year, it might have been the year after the 2014 game, where Belichick just unprompted went into this, soliloquy about you know how he studies McCarthy and he's learned from him and 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 it's just it was great to hear Mike McCarthy yesterday embrace the Brady versus Rogers matchup he talked about when he coached at Kansas City and you know he had Montana and they had this great game against Elway uh, which I, I think he said it was either 93 or 94 I hadn't gone back to look but it was a back and forth kind of thing and I just love the fact that every that the main principles involved the coaches and the quarterbacks have embraced this as, you know, not just another game. And, and it's probably easier to do when you only play each other every four years. There's no bad blood. Uh, there's a mutual respect. It's not like, you know, a division team that you play twice a year and, and, and you, you hate everything about them. So right. I, I just I, I like the fact that the, the lead-up to it has given us storylines. Uh, the participants have been willing uh, I just, you know, you just hope that it ends up being a game that matches up. If every week could be this way. Uh, our, our guest has been Rob Domofsky, ESPN.com, Packers beat writer. Before I let you go, I saw last week you went out there. You picked them to win at L.A., and you were so I close did. to being correct. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you necessarily who's going to win, but tell me what percentage you give Green Bay's upset chances in Foxborough. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's uh, you know, 30% chance, you know, one in three chance, I would say. I, I'm not totally going to rule it out. Uh, I do think they played really well last week, as I suspected they would. I just don't know. What we don't know is were they all in last week and it came up short and, and that's going to be a letdown, or was it a galvanizing thing where, hey, had we gotten the ball back, had Ty Montgomery not fumbled, we would have won that game, and, and we have reason to feel good about ourselves. That. You know, you just don't know until until they line up Sunday night. But um, but yeah, I, I think they're. I think you know, it'll be interesting to see which one of those two things plays out. All right, thank you, Rob. Rob Demofsky, Olivia Munn's favorite sports writer, ESPN.com <laughs> Packers beat writer. Thanks for being I our guest. It. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being our guest on the Cover Two podcast. See you, Rob. I, I will be seeing you. <laughs> Take care, Rob.
Couldn't resist that one. Sorry. Oh, um, no. The great, you, great, you might great remember player, yeah. that Olivia Munn, when she was dating mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, kind of took Rob to task uh, on Twitter at one point. Oh, um, I No, I think it – you Come kidding? On. It was the best thing that ever yeah, happened to his it's career. Great for him. It's Ra- great for him. Raised his profile. Massive. That's exactly what any I know. corporation that's paying you to be on the Olivia beat Olivia Munn goes after you in yeah. any way. I'll take it. Yes. Listen uh, – Last thing I think Pats fans want to see is what the Rams almost saw last week, which is what the Patriots had to do at their last home game, which is put the ball in the hands of one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time with two minutes left Yep, and need to get a field goal. Rodgers definitely would have done it. Brady did do it last time he was involved in a shootout with a great quarterback against the Chiefs on a Sunday night, last time they played the sniff here at the Gillette, at the Reza. And now Sunday, I have a. This isn't going to be the, the line. I think is six, six. or six, six I and believe, a half. I believe it's six. It's six. That's a pretty fair. It's a pretty yeah. fair line. I, I. This is nip and tuck will be in attendance Sunday night. Yeah. I just don't see how the Pats, even you know, look. It has nothing to do with Monday night uh, in in Buffalo. That was a valiant effort put on by the Bills defense. I don't think it had to do with the Pats being inconsistent on offense. I think it had more about the fact that. The Bills have a pretty decent defense. They that's do have. They pla- not- that's a tough place to play. That Tremaine Edmonds kid, 6'5", yeah. middle linebacker. Unfortunately, he went out with a concussion. Yeah, it was, un- yeah, it was un- too bad for but them. But that Bills defense was ranked third before their – and I'm forgetting who they laid an egg the previous week against. And to- oh, the Colts in Indy. Right. Totally laid an egg. But going into the Colts game, that, that defense was actually number three yep. in-, in the NFL. So it, not it their has fault some that talent. Josh Allen turns the ball over, Peterman, Peterman's – you know, Derek Anderson was basically fishing two weeks ago. Right. And now he's in there starting a quarterback. No, he's out this week. That's the beat. We're back to Peterman. And now he's out, so we're back to the Peterman. We're back to Peterman. Yeah. Um, and they just signed somebody. Oh, they signed Terrell Pryor, and everyone thinks, hey, Terrell Pryor played quarterback at Ohio State and Oakland. Watch him be could throwing passes. Could legitimately be the emergency quarterback. Right. I could see him throwing passes to Nathan Peterman. So wow. Oh, good. You know what we need is another fun. Philly Philly. That would be fun. Can't wait for the Philly special prior to Peterman. Book it. Y- you know, I, I'll say this. If the Rams play. Why did I even bring it up? If the Rams play as well as they did. I'm sorry. If the, if the Packers play as well as they did last week at the Rams. Mm-hmm. And remember. L.A. started with five straight punts in terms of their possessions. That's right. Five. That hasn't happened in L.A. much this year. If that defense can play that well, uh, Patriots will have a ball game on their hands. Oh, they'll have their hands full for sure. Yeah. And the Pats will probably find out that that's a pretty good, albeit young, secondary that Rob was just talking about. So who's going to be the asset? Who's going to be the weapon? I'll tell you. James White is quietly having... Yeah. A massive stellar, season for the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, he's got more receptions than Hopkins, Antonio Brown, or Julio Jones. Wow. He's got seven touchdowns this season. I think eight, actually, seven receiving and one running. Go Badgers. Yeah, man, he is. He's putting He's putting on a show this year. Yeah, got to he watch re- him. Really, really is. Uh, this will be a big week for, obviously, Gronk had a weird press conference. Gronk's yeah. missing the end zone. He said the end zone actually misses him. Oh, okay. I wouldn't be is that surprised. that how that goes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was odd. I think Gronk, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to put an extra focus on Gronk. I remember HaHa Clinton Dix was basically one-on-one with Gronk that whole game. Gronk almost came up with a winning touchdown against him. And the next day, Clinton Dix said that's the sorest he's ever been in his entire life. Covering Rob Gronkowski is a miserable job. And I'm not really sure if they have somebody that can do it now. Yeah. Well, it. you know, we don't get 
Brady Manning anymore, the Brady Manning Bowl or whatever we called it. Is this now? This is so infrequent, but in terms of the quality of the two quarterbacks on the field, is this even better, or is this every bit as good as Brady? Manning? It's every bit as good. I looked forward to every Brady Manning game more than I mean. You the second the schedule came out, you circled that. We got it annually though. It was an annual event. Is this better because it comes around less frequently? Not because that that true. This isn't a rivalry. This really isn't a rivalry. No, this, this is, is almost. Gr- it feels like, like an exhibition. In it some does. Some it ways, really does. Like, you know. And I don't think either one of them gives a fly in Foxborough flip about who's the goat or who's the greatest or who's the better. You don't. Uh, you don't. You really don't. Uh, yeah. Brady loves Rogers. He respects his. Talent. I know. I, th- I think they. Rogers both... respects Brady's acumen and Brady's accomplishments. And I think they both want to be known as the goat someday. I, I really do. I mean, I think they all, they've said all the right things, and they generally, you know, respect right. each other a hundred percent. They'll elevate each other, but neither yeah. one of them. They'll both be putting on respective clinics Sunday right. night. Rogers making throws to the side off his back foot, like he's playing dance, dance revolution, slinging the ball all over the field, and Brady making the reads and putting the ball in places that he sees against a defense. I will say this though, Mike Pettin. Sneaky pull for the Packers to bring in Mike Pettin. I loved the move. It yep. hasn't played all. It hasn't played but paid instant dividends, but I loved the Mike move. Mike Pettin's defenses back when he was with Rex Ryan and then up in Buffalo and in Cleveland gave Brady a hard time. That's a that could be a sneaky underlying storyline to Sunday night. Could we get Michael Jordan to like do the coin toss too? Is that too much? You think? When when does a Sunday night football promo released in advance yeah. of that week's Sunday night football right. game? They should have had a go viral. Well, they should have had a promo to promo the promo, don't you think? Five million views. Sunday Night Football got out of that thing. It's like, crazy. Yeah, I was watching that. I wanted to start even LeBron answered didn't right, he? right. Thought they were he was thought he was having a different conversation and acted like he also. This is apropos of nothing. I'm not so sure. I'm in on the uh, pirate style left earring for Michael Jordan. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it looks like he's. I mean, I don't know. It looks like he's just trying too hard. I, yeah. Uh, I really liked the Bird Magic open for one of the Did World you? Series. I, liked I it. felt Bird was awkward and stilted. Well, Larry, Wait, hold on. Larry, so Larry, Larry Bird. I know. So he was but Larry I Bird? I just thought, geez, because they, you know, let me, hold really a, let me hold a Red Sox hat, but I don't dare put it on. Like, put the hat on. That would Larry have been, Bird doesn't wear hats. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it, was, yeah. Like, it was a little awkward to me. I get it. It was kind of cool to see them don't together. E- Don, don't even look at Larry Bird's head. Don't even look at it. It was. I right, can I can I throw a couple fun facts at you that uh, I dug up this I week. I always enjoy for my fact. athletic. Who doesn't love a fun fact? Athletic, the athletic Boston uh, Packers opponent feature. This is kind of interesting. You know, we don't get Green Bay, New England often. Mm-hmm. When we think of them, we think, "Wow, they played it's in the Super a Bowl, fact. Super Bowl thirty-one, right?" Listen to this. In the past 25 completed seasons, that's 93 through 2017, New England has made the playoffs 19 out of those 25 and endured three losing seasons. Over the same span, Green Bay has made the playoffs 19 times and endured just three losing seasons. 16 double-digit win seasons for Green Bay, 19 for New England. Now, obviously, the edge is much larger. It's, uh, what is it now, Five five to one in terms right. of Lombardi's, but that's kind of remarkable that these two teams have been mirror images of each other in some ways uh, for the last twenty five years. Um, that you know, I mean, fifteen Super Bowls combined: New England ten, five and five; Green Bay five, right. four and one. And the only time they met head to head that was uh, 
Super Bowl 31 in New Orleans 35-21. Think Desmond Howard. Mm. Pretty good pretty good runs these two teams have been on. And then this is my last uh, very quirky. Since 1992, the Packers in all but one season have been coached by a guy named Mike. Can you name them? Holmgren. Right. McCarthy. Right. Mike Sherman. Mike Sherman. Sherman that's ding, ding, right. Ding. There, that's the one. That's the the, the so, Mike in We have between. a winner. We haven't. Yeah, Mike Sherman. So only one year of the since '92 on, the Packers haven't been coached by a Mike. Can you give me that guy? In the year, anybody? Oh, oh, anybody? Wow. Wait, what was what was the time window again? '92 uh, on. Had All to be right, the year before Holmgren came in. Who was it? No, no, no. Holmgren came in in 92. It was the guy between Holmgren and Sherman, the little-remembered Ray Rhodes, who went 8-8 oh, yeah. eight eight oh, in Rhodes, 1999. Former Eagles defensive coordinator. Right, right. And Ron Wolf blew him out after one year because mm-hmm. he was kind of crazy. He was right. kind of crazy. All right, so my alternate note here is that since 93... Since 93, and you'll get this quickly, the Patriots in all but three seasons have been coached by a guy named Bill. And they are? Bill Parcells. And? Bill Belichick. The guy in between? Pete Carroll. There you go. So, I told you it was quirky. It was. Wow. Mike and Bill have pretty much led the Packers and the Patriots all these years. There are so many similarities between the two. Sunday. The QBs wearing 12. Yeah. Goat versus goat battle. Yeah. I love it. I mean, you think about it. I'm not predicting all this, but they are. Right, so in Green Bay, Curly Lambeau and Vince Lombardi are already in the hall. I think Mike Holmgren, who went to three Super Bowls, two with Green Bay, one with Seattle, unfortunately mm-hmm. only went one and two, has a case for the hall. I know people that do think he'll eventually get some consideration. And this is a bit of a stretch at the moment, but Mike McCarthy, one ring, has 134 wins in 12 plus 12 and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. If he continues to coach for 10 years and gets another ring or two, he'll be the Burt Blylevin. He'll be the stat yes. patter of coaches. Uh, there are people that say every season in the NFL begins with quote, and I've read this line before. I, I wish I could attribute it to who accordingly. Every season in Green Bay begins with Aaron Rodgers dragging Mike McCarthy's ass yes. to 10 wins. I know a lot of people feel. I, I hear that. I, I think it's wildly overstated, um, and I know McCarthy last year came out and, and kind of famously said, I'm a pretty successful NFL-proven head coach. Yeah, how's that Had quarterback to do that. working out? But um, I don't buy that, you know, that it's all Aaron Rodgers and, and zero Mike McCarthy. I, I, I understand it's the majority of Aaron Rodgers is, is the, the uh, success, and I understand that they have left, as I said, they have left a lot on the table uh, in terms of potential success, but I still give Mike McCarthy a little props. And then, it, so then, look at New England. You've got Parcells is already in the hall, uh, albeit only a four-year Patriots coach. Belichick's going to be in the hall. And here's an interesting question: Pete Carroll. All right, he's been an NFL head coach now for three different teams: Jets, Pats, mostly the Seahawks. They're going to really be jacked up for this game. He's already in his early seventies. He owns 126 wins in 12 and a half seasons. What if he gets another ring? What if he gets a late career ring and keeps mm, going? I don't know. Probably, I don't think I mean, he makes it. He definitely it. should have a second one. I don't think he makes it. Yes, he definitely no. should have it. No, if there was a football <laughs> Hall of Fame. Right. But there isn't. There is right. a pro football Pro-combining Hall of Fame. Combining USC and... Uh, That's right. Yeah, I These agree. These guys are kind of the modern-day swashbucklers. But think about that. That's seven pretty good head coaches between these two yeah. rosters. 
Parcells, Belichick, and Carroll, and then on the other end, Lambeau, Lombardi, Holmgren, and McCarthy. I, I think, you know, the the die, the diehard Pats fans often go on about, yeah, you know, uh, they got five Super Bowls here, but, you know, it should be more. In a lot of ways, actually, the Patriots really should have six or seven Super Bowl championships. Or, or, or three. Even, yeah, or it can go three. the other I way. No, it can't. We always forget that it could just as easily swing the other way. Right. They could have lost right. how many in a row now? Uh, four in a row? Mm-hmm. Two to the Giants? Mm-hmm. And right. Seattle? One, one they probably and Atlanta. should have. Yeah, Atlanta as well. Mm. And they could have won. T- all right. Five in so a row. Five. They could have lost I, five in a row. All right. So let's say six, to be fair. Okay. But even so, even with people saying, even with some saying, oh, they could have won more, should have won more, the team that's left more money on the table at the casino is definitely Green Bay. To only, a, oh, absolutely. only be in one Super Bowl. This decade so far, when you've got that quality at quarterback, but also Rodgers has missed a lot of games too. Yes, he has. That, and the, the fact that he's uh, he sort of split the difference, but split the difference between the toughness of Brady and the the fragility of a Garoppolo, if you will. So we'll see. Okay, our guest now, um, as promised, Tom Silverstein, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel's longtime Packers beat writer, a good friend, an old friend. His nickname is Spoon. We still call him nothing but Spoon. Tom, good morning. Thanks for being on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Yeah, you're welcome. How are <laughs> you guys doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. We um, we just had uh, one of your colleagues, Rob Domofsky, on about a little bit ago. So we're, we're going all in on the Packers-Patriots this week. Uh, we usually try to stay right. kind of NFL-centric. But um, clearly, uh, it feels like, as, as, as I wrote for The Athletic this week, it does. It's certainly not a, another typical game week. It feels almost like we're all anticipating a treat Sunday night because we don't get to see these two number 12s uh, face off because the last time they did in 2014 in Lambeau, it was such such a great game that everybody seemed, coaches, quarterbacks, seemed to like stand back and appreciate the moment. Um, give me a sense. It's It's been an interesting week in Green Bay. Obviously, the personnel moves, the gut punch loss, in Los Angeles, when you've played, when the team played its best game of the season, ironically, give me a sense for not only the buildup of this quarterback matchup, but how significant this game is for Green Bay's season. Well, it, it's funny you brought up the matchup between um, Brady. I mean, it's not funny; it's natural that you bring it up. But I, for my perspective, is that. That's been very much a, um, uh, a storyline outside of Wisconsin because of the roster moves that were made this week and also in light of the performance in L.A. And a, a lot of the attention is really just focused on uh, the Packers because, as it, as it normally is, it, it's a, a moment of transition and really – kind of a a turning point for the Packers. I think, you know, their season could go either way now coming off that game in L.A. Uh, I don't know that they necessarily have to beat the Patriots, but they got to play another at least as well as they played in L.A. And if they don't, it's a setback. And they can't afford any setbacks at 3-3-1. And And I think they sent a little bit of a message with the deals they made, they, I think, in their minds, cleaned up the locker room a little bit. And it's it's that moment where, you know, they either move forward or they're moving 
backward. And so that's what we're going to find out on Sunday. And I think that's been as much a storyline as the Brady Rogers storyline here. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Tom, because what I wrote for The Athletic was as good as this matchup is and as much as we're anticipating it, this is kind of a crossroads game for the Packers' season. They have not been under 500 all year. They've been towing that line. They they don't have a consecutive win or consecutive loss. They've they've done nothing but when you throw in that tie and when they started win tie and they've not put anything together in two consecutive weeks. So uh, a second straight loss, even if they play as well as they played in L.A., you're suddenly under 500. The second half of the season now is all about really digging out of a hole. And when you add in the specter of Mike McCarthy's job status, um, it, it's, it's, there's a lot on the line besides just two number 12s that are both going to the Hall of Fame playing Sunday night. Yeah, there, there is. And, and really, I think why the anticipation is so great uh, there's two reasons. One is they're playing for a new defensive coordinator, and it, it's obvious that it took some time for the defense to uh, figure out what he wanted and, and how they were going to play. And we're talking about Mike uh, Pettin. Mike Pettin, and he runs a ton of different now groupings, and it's not a real complicated defense, but it, it's very multiple, and so there's all kinds of different groupings and combinations he's used of players. And so uh, they had played pretty much all through the season, one half a good football and then a bad half. Usually the first half was a bad half, and then the second half was a good half. And really against the Rams, even though they gave up 27 points, two of them were uh, safety. They, they played really well. I mean, they really, they, they sacked off um, numerous times. They had pressure on them all day. Gurley didn't really hit them until the end, and they were in the game. And so that that's one aspect of, okay, is this a sign that they're moving forward, or was that just an aberration? The, the second thing is that Rodgers has been hurt. Now, I think he's been pretty healthy the last couple of weeks, but he's still wearing that brace. And you can see that he can't get around the corner. When he's escaping um, rushes, particularly on bootlegs, where he used to be able to, if the, the end held, he'd be able to still get around the guy. He can't do that. And he's not really running away from very many people. So now, um, is their offense going to take off? Because maybe he's getting a little bit healthy. That's the other question. Or is this really who they are offensively, just not the team that they've been in the past? We're speaking with Tom Silverstein from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel here on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. I remember it was a play, I saw a gif of it earlier this week on Twitter, where in 2014, a game that hinged basically on Jordy beating McCourty and Revis on a slant for a big touchdown at the end of the first half. Rodgers' maneuverability really helped the Packers hold that lead and choke out the Pats because there was one play he moved around for 13 seconds in the in the pocket and extended plays like crazy until his receivers could find a way to get open. Now, speaking about the receivers, Tom, I don't think people in New England are very familiar with anyone beyond Devontae Adams. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about this young, very tall, athletic rookie receiving core that Rodgers is developing right now? Yeah, it, it's a, it's a transition 
looking at the receiver position with Jordy Nelson gone, uh, Randall Cobb's in his final year. Devontae Adams is the bell cow. He has become, in my opinion, um, a top 10 receiver in the NFL. He's, he gets covered by the very best corner uh, on every team, and he still puts up pretty good numbers. After that, uh, Cobb, is, Cobb is, will sometimes give you a really nice game. Sometimes he's kind of not really there. Geronimo Allison is an undrafted free agent who they like, but he's not a you know he's not a explosive um, guy. You have to be completely worried about. He will win some one on ones, and once in a while will get deep. But he's not a guy you have to focus your defense around. Then they have their three rookie wide receivers, and and I think you also have to throw Jimmy Graham in that group because he's really a, a wide receiver. He's not a tight end. He lines up at tight end occasionally, blocks a little bit, but he lines up so much in the slot and wide that he's more of a wide receiver. Uh, uh, the young guys have, particularly Valdez Scantling, who's a speed burner, um, is starting to come along, and they're giving them just enough of what they need, but they got to develop somebody other than uh, Adam. They, they need another really dynamic player they can count out week after week, and they really haven't found that yet. Graham has not been that guy. Graham doesn't have the speed he once had. He's still a little bit working his way into rhythm with Rodgers, and he's just a, he's just more, mostly a red zone threat now. And Scantling is is a good player, but he's gonna. It's, you know how it is for rookies; they're they're never gonna be great their first year, and so there, there's some some things there that uh, you know they still need to develop. Tom, uh, last question, we'll let you go. Um, I imagine the Packers look at this division, and clearly no one has run away with it. Uh, Detroit traded Golden Tate, even though they were a game out of the lead in the NFC North. You've got Minnesota playing unevenly. Um, and you've got the Bears, who were 3-1, and one, then 3-3, three and three, now back to 4-3. and three. Is the sense that you get that Green Bay thinks, okay, we're in good position to make a second half run here if we can put this little consistency together that this thing is all very very winnable yeah yeah i mean even if they're 3 4 and 1 at the halfway point they have a very favorable schedule at the end of the year but the the key will be right after the new england game they play miami at home Seattle on the road, and then Minnesota on the road. And a short week and at Seattle. A short week at Seattle, Thursday night. A short week at Seattle. They have to win two of the three of those at least. And then they have a, you know, a chance to go on a run with, I think, like four of the last five are at home or something like that. And so, yeah, this really, there is, I think this division is up for grabs. I do think Minnesota is still the best team, and they still have the best defense. And they have a lot of really good offensive players, so I, I think they're the team to beat. But I do think that you know it, it'll be interesting to see what happens the next couple of weeks with a couple of really key NFC North matchups coming up. Yeah, so we asked Rob just real quickly, not not to tip your prediction for this week, but what do you think the percentage of upset chance that Green Bay comes into Foxborough with? Um, I would say it's thirty-five, forty yeah. percent. I yeah. think they're going to play a good game. I think they're going to give. I think Petten, you know, he's played New England a ton of times when he was with the Jets and had some good days and some bad days. But uh, I think they feel pretty good about 
their defense. So we'll see. Um, but I give them a little bit of a chance, yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Tom Silverstein with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, longtime Packers beat writer, has been our guest on the Cover 2 podcast. Tom, thanks for the time, the insights, and the knowledge. You bet. Anytime. All, all the best. Thank you, Tom. Uh, another, when you talk about the receivers, uh, Exxon Valdez or whatever his name was there. Uh, Equinomius. No, there's the Scantling, Dantes Scantling. I can't keep it's up. It's hard. But then there's Equinomius St. Brown, the big kid from Notre Dame. And one week it's one, one week it's the other. I, I, Imagine I think, being named Geronimo Allison, and that's and just almost being normal. Like, that's normal yes. compared to the way, yeah, the three name rookie wide receivers. I think you can pretty much, as he was talking about Devontae Adams, you know, making his way into the elite wide receiving core, you can pretty much look for a Gilmore Adams lock lockup all night long. They'll be battling all night, which will be great. I'll be curious to see if Rodgers f- tries to force feed him. And teams have been going to Gilmore recently trying to test him yeah. out. Uh, Buffalo even did. Yeah, they did, surprisingly. Well, he got a mismatch with Kelvin Benjamin with the height, but then he also had a huge weight isn't mismatch he, on him, too. As yeah, isn't he one Popeye's, Popeye's, Popeye's biscuit, biscuit away. away from tight end? <laughs> uh, that was pre- Booger's I like, best I like, line. I like McFarlane, what he's at. He's my I favorite part of the broadcast. Of course, he doesn't sit in front of you and block your view. So Of course. And he also probably doesn't want to get hit with sex objects. Right. Yeah, we, I think that's we made I it all the way without bringing up the dildo uh, toss. Now, see, I didn't, I didn't say the D word. I didn't say the D word. I said sex object. Come I'm on, the one who works in it's FM radio. It's been the, in all the papers. I call it the bildo. It's that's even better. It's kind of a uh, a, a tradition like none other. It is, and the, the in the, Buffalo, the running line on Twitter Monday night was. Uh, the Bildo reached the end zone before the Patriots. <laughs> I thought you were going to at least say the Bills there. Yeah, uh, in fr- Before the Bills did too, right? Yeah, I'll be curious to see the way that they cover the other goods. And with the Patriots, uh, you know, still yielding a couple yards up the gut every now and again, yeah. Aaron Jones could be the sneaky play Sunday night. All right. that, kid's com- that kid's coming around. He looked good. We have talked plenty of Packers Patriots very quickly uh don't sleep on Rams at Saints that's obviously could determine who has home field advantage in the NFC if the Saints beat them then all things are you know tilting New Orleans two weeks in a row right a good four o'clock game followed by a very watchable eight o'clock game although all of us were watching game five last Sunday yes I I barely saw any of this if you're looking for three hours of bad attitudes and human car accidents you got Steelers at Ravens Ravens. on at one o'clock and again the Ravens at four and four look like they're 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 disappearing toast but let them win this game and then they have swept Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. and they're five and four and they're right back in business not gonna happen I don't know about that. If you're streaming defenses uh, in fantasy, or especially if you're into FanDuel or DraftKings, pick up the Bears defense because they're in Buffalo, and the Peterman effect will be at quarterback. <laughs> uh, not much else that's uh, terrible. Chargers and Seahawks is a pretty good game. Oh, how about when Greg Williams, new interim HC for the wow. CB, uh, shocks the Chiefs on Sunday? That's not going to happen. Either. What if he turns down two other job offers at halftime? Oh, did you, see, did you see the savage subtweet by Brian Billick? Yeah. Oh, that was nice. Me Good. too, bro. Yeah, me too, bro. Billick just. Billick's got jokes. Yeah. All right, you know what? And at 4 o'clock, if I need something red zoning me when Rams Saints isn't on. I'll have a good eye on Chargers Seahawks. It's a better Sunday than we've had in a little while. And you know what? Texans at Broncos isn't even a bad game either. That's true. All right. We have done damage. On the Cover 2 podcast. But don't watch the game tonight. The Nick Bosa Bowl is on. The uh, Toilet Bowl. Wow. Raiders, San Oakland, Francisco. Oakland, San Francisco. What did we do to deserve that Two on Two and 13 combined. <laughs> you know what it is? It's the race for the number one pick in the 2019 draft. The Bosa Bowl. 
San Francisco, you're right. San Francisco is one. Oakland is three. What has happened to the once proud Raiders and Niners? All right, that's it for Kevin Collins, our producer, Nick Stevens, and Don Banks. This has been the Cover 2 Podcast. Another week in the books. We look forward to week nine in the NFL. We can't even say go Sox anymore because they went and they're gone. We'll see you next Tuesday back on regular Cover 2 schedule, I believe. We hope. We hope. Yeah, you never know, though. That's the thing. Keep you guessing. Dodging Bud Lights. Pitchers and Catchers, February 22nd. Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Tucks it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's good. A touchdown. It's good. And a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.